0: Virus
1: it down. Hello, and welcome to the official podcast for the 28th Annual First Conference in Seoul, South Korea. The conference is taking place between June the 12th and June the 17th. For more information, go to www.first.org. This time on the show, we're lucky enough to be talking to Stuart Murdoch, founder and chief executive of Shorevine. Welcome to the show, Stuart. Thank you. Um, So I really appreciate you taking the time to to come and have a quick chat with us. We're going to be talking a little bit about uh, the global's perspective on voluntary versus mandatory information sharing. I can imagine that this is a bit of a mess. Um there's not many companies that uh, or not many uh, countries that that agree on on what should be mandatory and what should be voluntary in this kind of area. So maybe you can give us kind of a, a quick rundown of of what kind of information sharing you're talking about here.
0: Yeah, thanks for that. Um yeah, I think it's right to say that it's a uh, it's a complex area and it's uh, an area that's um changing all the time. Um with, for example, in the European Union, the Network and Information Sharing Directive um, on a path to uh, formal approval at the end of this year and uh, uh, adoption already at the um, Cybersecurity Information Sharing Act, the CISA, in the US. And um, there are a few examples. I think, uh, if I'm right, Singapore is an example of a stock exchange where there are cybersecurity-specific rules for companies which uh, list on those exchanges. Uh, so uh, increasingly around the world, there's a, uh, an increasing amount of um, legislation around what's compulsory to share uh, and uh, what it is that's kind of best practice to share, I guess.
1: So specifically, I, I guess here we're talking about data breach information and the kind of information that needs to be shared after a breach. Or is there also uh, any kind of legislation in place about information sharing prior to a breach, so kind of sharing about threat intelligence and, and kind of actors that people are seeing, or are we not quite at that stage yet?
0: Uh, that's a very good question. I think in the EU, my understanding of the, um, the directive as it stands at the moment is that it is about a, um, a breach which has occurred rather than uh, information in advance of that. There is, though, as part of that directive, and there's kind of four key things really around that uh, particular directive. Uh, the first part is that um, a, an EU member state must have a cybersecurity strategy, a national strategy, that it must have an, a competent authority and a national um, cert, which kind of acts as the... Uh, the, the kind of national responsible uh, point of exchange with other certs and across the other member states and the EU. And it's certainly the case that within that directive, there is a there is a uh, I don't know whether it's a compulsion, but there's a a sense that uh, it's important that member states uh, cooperate. That there's cooperation between the, the competent authorities in each of those member states and the EU. And that there's um, notification which is man- mandated. So, whilst I think the the cooperation itself isn't mandated, it's certainly um, part of the the director that there's an understanding that that's what the certs are there um, partly to do to cooperate with each other.
1: It's good to see that they're they're bringing the certs into this and, and actually thinking a little bit about the infrastructure that's required to to make this kind of data sharing um, both useful and possible in in certain countries because without the help of of cert teams in in individual countries this would be very hard to manage i you know, i should uh, i should think
0: yeah that's right i i guess we we're in a situation at the moment where um, you know a number of the member states including of course the uh, the uk with cert uk being folded up into the new national cyber security centre um, uh, already have their certs up and running and there's existing cooperation uh, between those certs um, but without uh, without a national cert or without those um, c certs it's clearly difficult for people both within those member states or outside of those member states to know who it is that they need to be speaking to um, if there's important information that uh, that does need to be shared or if there's you know, incidents which are occurring which need to be uh, notified inter- internally. And in fact, that's part of the rationale for the um, NCSC in the UK is to take um, some of those existing responsibilities which have been spread uh, across multiple different agencies and to create one kind of unified point of presence, if you like, so that, you know, if
1: if in any doubt,
0: uh, it's the NCSC which will be the, the first point of contact for cyber security.
1: So aside from the, the push towards mandatory breach notification, which is obviously going on in various regions in the EU, as well as the, the UK, as well as the US, are also moving in that general direction if they're not already there. What's the push for for, um, more kind of voluntary disclosure of this kind of information? Are you seeing companies that don't have to announce information about breaches or or attempted breaches actually volunteering this information?
0: So I think that's uh, a really good point. If you look at the approach that the UK has taken today with its um, cybersecurity information sharing partnership, which Shawvine were involved in, disclaimer, the approach which was taken there was one which was founded on uh, voluntary information sharing. So it was taking a situation which um, uh, was historically about perhaps less efficient uh, ways of sharing critical inf- uh, cybersecurity information and creating you know, an online, uh, secure online presence where academia, critical national infrastructure, uh, industry and that's all of industry from kind of SMEs right through up to the FTSE 100 companies can could come together to share information um, and that sharing is uh, continues to be done in fact on an entirely uh, voluntary basis uh, and the the voluntary nature of that sharing is um, I think part of what has been so successful about it. There's no sense in which somebody 's dictating this is what you must share, and you must share it in these types of situation, which has allowed for different organizations to kind of interpret and perhaps go beyond the brief of what any type of compulsory uh, information sharing uh, would mandate and I think um, one of the concerns about uh, mandate uh, mandatory information sharing is that if uh, organizations are mandated to share, then actually they'll put in place mechanisms to comply with that sharing. They may end up actually sharing less because they'll only share what it is that they're, they're mandated um, to share. Uh, and I got a sense uh, last year I was out at a conference in the US and there was somebody there from the Department of Defense talking about the changes to the um, the FARs, the Federal Acquisition Regulations for the Defense Industrial Base which is a cybersecurity information sharing mechanism in the U.S. for suppliers to the DOD, that um, those those files were increasing the amount of uh, mandatory information sharing, and they were concerned that that would start to have a, a kind of a chilling effect on information sharing. But again, people would uh, enter into this kind of uh, tick box compliance view of information sharing and not share perhaps as generously as they had before.
1: Are we now at a point where where companies have matured enough to to be able to understand that providing this kind of information about, about attacks, about things they're seeing, is, is not uh, something to be concerned about. So there's, there was always this, this stigma about sharing attack information previously to say, my company is the target of an attack, and this is a bad thing, and I shouldn't share it. Have we grown up as an industry? Have we begun to understand that sharing this information is not only a, a good thing overall, but really required to keep us safe? I'm not sure
0: I'd go as far as that. I think that it's certainly something that people are much, um, um, boards are much more aware of. Uh, it's the case, I think, in uh, the U.S. with the Cybersecurity Information Sharing Act. It's um, that, you know, a lot of the, um, the the kickback there has been around, um, perhaps in a, a culture which is more uh, prone to litigation than, than others, that the... Um, Uh, In sharing cybersecurity information, in fact, it's unlikely that your legal counsel will permit you to do that on the record in the first instance. And that's why, uh, for example, in the UK, the the CISP uh, has the ability to share anonymously. And almost any cybersecurity information sharing uh, exchange around the world that's successful will have some means of um uh kind of anonymizing or uh, removing removing the attribution of the sharing to allow people who have that exactly that concern that you know that they're sharing on the record that there's that embarrassment factor um uh, around sharing uh, and i guess there are some breaches uh you know particularly sensitive breaches perhaps to critical national infrastructure which will be shared but it will only ever be shared with a very select uh, set of folk i guess so I think um, the educa- the education on the need to share I think is having an, a positive effect on uh, sharing more broadly, but I can't personally envisage a future where there won't be a need to control uh, some of those types of sharing, whether it's for organisations that are more risk-averse to encourage them to, to share or whether it's... Um, you know in those uh, situations where there are kind of critical national security implications around the sharing around you know the the source of the of the threat etc
1: one of the constant things that comes up when we're talking about data sharing is the 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 numerous kind of formats and and various ways of portraying that data which causes problems when it comes to having kind of a centralized platforms for for sharing this kind of data between companies how have you seen that you know, be, be dealt with kind of on a national level? And I know you were you were um, involved in, in some of the UK systems. Is this a problem with the past or are we still coming across issues where the information that we're sharing comes in so many different formats that it's hard to manage and, and hard to, to actually view?
0: I think that where we're at right now, I think we have reached that point of um, there being, I think we can probably say that there are now de facto standards for some of the you know the more structured uh, in information sharing. We're just on the verge of um, sticks two and uh, uh, taxi um, being published probably around uh, the July timeframes by Oasis. And I think the journey that um, we've been on around you know a whole host of different um, ways of uh, uh, structuring that. More, that or sharing that more structured information, I think we're probably at a stage now where um, sticks and taxi, whilst not being uh, ubiquitous, are probably the um, the you know the kind of de facto the de facto standard for sharing. And you know, particularly if you look at the situation with the the EU, the EU in fact has just uh, recently put out a tender for a framework for Um, information sharing across the eu Um, and it's interesting that it's done that as a framework uh, rather than trying to come up with one kind of one ring to rule them all of uh, information sharing Uh, because the reality is each uh, member state is uh, as it currently stands is in a really different place when it comes to their maturity of their ability to um Uh, well or may not even have a cert but certainly at a different state of uh, maturity in their ability to handle information which is uh, shared with them never mind uh, being a a source of that kind of information themselves so having a a kind of mesh or a a network of uh, information sharing that allows each of the parties to that sharing to kind of move at its own pace absolutely relies on um, some form of standards based interoper- interoperability um rather than some kind of um you know central uh, central uh repository which is uh is too hard for some will be too hard for some of the you know up and coming new certs to be able to make use of and it will be you know too much of a lowest common would be too much of a lowest common denominator for the m- more sophisticated or those who are slightly further on on that journey. So I think the, fu- the future of cybersecurity information sharing must be um, around you know that sense of uh, you know uh, that ability to interoperate. Of course, there's also I mean this is talking about actually the the detailed in the de- you know the quite detailed and structured information. There's a lot of cybersecurity uh, information which gets shared, which is a really quite different levels of abstraction so there's you know information about uh, threat threat analysis which is much less um structured um or you know c- contained elements which are much less structured um and there are you know the kind of weather map views if you like of cyber what's affecting this sector what's affecting that set- sector which aren't you know could perhaps theoretically be represented by um more structured information, but actually are probably better expressed in just plain, uh, plain old uh, unstructured text. So um, there, a, there needs to be a space for both the you know both the structured standards based interoperability and the uh, that more unstructured conversation, if you like.
1: So with all of these companies sharing information anonymously. Um What's the trust level like? I mean, sharing information into into a pool of resources and then and then using that to base um, decisions on or, or research on is is there a level of trust there that that people can actually have, or are we uh, risking kind of polluting our pool of information?
0: So I think um, first is a great example of where actually. Trust within the community still, I think, very much relies on, uh, in the limit, those kind of face-to-face interactions, actually knowing the folk that you're sharing with. So, in, um, in again, I think, with really any information uh, sharing exchange with existing cooperation between member states uh, in the EU, uh, with First itself and um, with you know some of the ISACs in the US, you you, you often hear people saying that the thing that they find most valuable um, are the, you know, the face-to-face uh, exchanges between the the members of the different C certs, and so any form of online exchange is never going to be able to uh, replace that. Uh, as when it comes to the anonymity side of things, there are some. Types of control we can look to. Uh, for example, I like to look at the way that open source software communities work to understand, to value the, uh, co- the quality of contributions that are made from people who, certainly in the very large open source software communities, they have no idea really who the people are who are making those, con- uh, some of those contributions because there's far too many of them. So they have different mechanisms for um, you know, asserting the quality of those. So there's a, a kind of network effect, which says the network. I guess this is not truly anonymous, but this is kind of um, uh, where you've got uh, contributions that are um, you know done under uh, you know some other form of attribution. You know, the network says the information we get from this source tends to be um, uh, reliable information. Uh, the information uh, is valued by the network. And although we don't actually know who, who is the source of this information or where this information has come from, we can start to do uh, make some assertions around the quality of that. So the network can help us there. Um, but uh, one of the interesting things that um, we've observed with, uh, the, with the CISP in the UK is that because the the network continues to grow, I'd imagine that over time we'd start to see the amount of uh, anonymous People can choose to share either anonymously or on the the record. And I'd anticipated that over time that people would kind of transition from sharing anonymously to uh, doing more sharing on the record. But it seems like either organisationally, the culture of the organisations that are doing the sharing seem to be ones that insist that you can only ever share um, anonymously or just because the network keeps growing there's always new people that you don't really know when you haven't met at the the member meeting yet uh, so there's always new people around and so there's there's perhaps a, always going to be a tension there between uh, sharing anonymously and uh, sharing on the record i think going back to one of your earlier questions i think as time uh, as time goes by it's my uh, and with increasing amounts of compulsion i'm imagining that uh, i'm still holding out uh, trust that as time goes by, more and more people will um, share more and more and share more and more openly um, and time will tell.
1: I think that kind of reinforces the importance of, uh, as you were saying, the events like first and the ability to kind of face to face talk with people about what they're seeing um, and, and, and gain the trust of the information that, that's coming through these kind of networks. I think that's uh, first provides a, a good basis for discussion with people and for finding out the kind of things other people are seeing. And then using these kind of data sharing mechanisms certainly has numerous benefits for, for various areas. So I think it's, uh, it's, it's good that we're finally getting moving on this. It's been taken far too long. And uh, I hope that it continues to, to move at the pace that it's moving right now. Thank you very much for taking the time to have a quick chat with us on the podcast and uh, I hope to see you at an upcoming event at some point. Fantastic, look forward to it. Thanks for your time. You've been listening to the official podcast of the 28th Annual First Conference in Seoul, South Korea
0: occurring June 12th through 17th, 2016. Thank you very much for listening.